0: You're listening to the Belmar Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about Belmar or to see our upcoming events, visit belmarchurch.com. This morning, as we open the, uh, the Word of God, I'm going to invite you, if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, we're going to be in the book of Acts. But I want, to, I want to start by just saying, again, it's great to be here. And uh, kind of as your pastor said, I like this time of year. And there's a one big reason, and it's called March Madness, right? Uh, how many are March Madness fans? You like it? Anybody out there? Uh, rock Chalk? Jayhawk. Jay right? Okay, that's me. All right, that's that's where I'm from. That's what I... And so I love this time of year. And there's something about it that, that you'll hear as announcers. And pretty much during this, even though they're, they're, they're big schools, little schools, all over pretty much anybody could win any game in this tournament. There's a lot of dynamics because some of the smaller schools, they've never been here and they're more they're more excited and they could have the game of their lives and they could knock off one of the number one seats. All of those, it's just so exciting because they, they're playing with a different intensity, with a different goal, with a different kind of excitement than maybe they've even planned before. And then, of course, those of us who make brackets and our brackets get all busted up because these little guys are playing out of their heads doing something they never thought they, they could do. They're doing something with intensity. Let me just ask us, followers of Christ, how do we do what we do? Do we realize what it is that God has called us to do and how how big it really is to be one of God's servants doing what God has called us? Are we really doing what we've been assigned to do with that intensity? Belmar Church, do you recognize how much God has in mind for you in this community and in the world to make a difference for him? I, I read a story years ago, and you may have heard versions of this story, but there was a uh, a famous architect, Christopher Wren, over in, in London. He was building this ma- massive cathedral years ago, and it was a it's a famous cathedral. And and the London uh, reporter came, the newspaper reporter came, and was interviewing some of the workers. So she came to three brick bricklayers. They're all doing the same job, and she just asked them the simple question, "What are you doing?" It's a simple question, right? The first bricklayer said this, well, I am putting bricks in this wall to build this temple. Duh. I mean, it's kind of obvious, right? What I'm doing. She asked the second one, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm, I'm making a living for me and my family. Don't all makes sense. Third one, she said, what are you doing? And he said, I am helping Christopher Wren build a cathedral to the almighty God. They're all doing the same job, but a different perspective on how they were doing or what they were doing or what it meant that they were doing. Do we understand that what God has called us to do? Yes, we, could we be just doing some work, you know, just kind of doing the church thing, doing the, the work, you know, and it's good and we're 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 involved, and we're at, are we, do, are we doing this thing, are we do, putting bricks in a wall or we making making things work or are we work, realize that we are a part in doing what God has called us to do and we're actually working with Jesus to get his work accomplished? When we go to the book of Acts, We're gonna look in the first chapter of this book of Acts. We're gonna talk about the fact that that there is something that Jesus wants us with him to finish, something that he, you know, when, when we talk about Jesus and the cross, here's one thing we know. When Jesus died on the cross, the work of salvation was finished. Redemption was done. There's nothing more to add to that. The whole Old Testament was looking forward to the day when there would be an ultimate sacrifice given for the sins of all the world. And that's what Jesus did when he died on the cross and those three famous words, it is finished. He wasn't just saying, okay, I'm dying. What he was saying was the plan that God has put in motion is finished. I am the lamb of God. I'm taking away the sin of the world. It is done. And there's nothing that we can add to it. There's nothing that anybody can can do. But did you realize that there was a work that when Jesus left, he left a work unfinished. The work of salvation, it's done. But there was a work that he said that is still going on. And in Acts chapter number one, when we start in, in the first verse, the, the writer says, the former account I made, O Theophilus, and, and just in case you don't know, what the book of Acts is, is actually Luke, who's the author. This is his second book in his two-part series, right? His first book was what we know as the book of Luke with his name on it. And now he's writing a follow-up book to his friend Theophilus. And he says to them, and he talks about the things that happened in Jesus' life Luke talks about everything from his birth to his death and resurrection. And now Acts picks up where where Jesus left off. And look what the next phrase says. Otheophilus, he says, of all that Jesus, now look at this next phrase, began both to do and to teach. While Jesus walked on this earth for three years, and then after he died and resurrected, he was here for about 40 more days, there was a work that Jesus began. He began to do something He began to teach something. And this work was something that now, as he says, his followers, Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up after the Holy Spirit had given commandment to the apostles whom he had chosen. What we're talking about today is I want to talk about completing the mission. Finishing the work that Jesus started, he began while he was here. And as he left, he said, now he gave it to those of his followers and we're gonna continue this work. And he gave instructions on how that's, to, how that's to happen. In fact, when you look at this book of Acts that we're just, we're just looking at the first chapter, really what this is, the book of Acts is a record of what Jesus started and continued through his, his early followers, through his early believers, his, his church. They were considered, they were, their job was to take what Jesus started and keep it going. A lot of people call this the Acts of the Apostles. That may be the way it's listed in your, in your Bible. The truth is, this is the Acts of Jesus that are done through his apostles. These are really the acts that what Jesus started. And then he gave his apostles, his believers, the, the way to do it and they were to act upon that. And it will go until Christ returns. Verse number 11 talks about the fact that Jesus does leave, but the angels say, but he'll be back. He will be back. And fellow believers, do you understand? Jesus is still coming again. And so what Jesus began to do and to teach, what he's telling us is that's a work that's going to continue until he returns. So where does that leave us? We're right in the middle of what Jesus began to do and to teach. And he has called us as his followers, as he did those early believers, to finish what he began to do and to teach. In fact, this helps me understand something. In John chapter 14, on the night Jesus was going to be betrayed and ultimately crucified, He's talking to his disciples. And I don't know if you've ever read this verse, but it said, most assuredly, Jesus says, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And look at this, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. I don't know if that verse grabs your attention, but that does grab my greater works. His disciples had to kind of scratch their heads a little bit and think, wait a second, Jesus, we've seen what you do. We've seen your, how could we ever think we could do anything greater? We're not the son of God. We can't, and, and we understand that we won't have the perfection that he does. But what did he mean? One of the things that Jesus meant was what Jesus' ministry was, was localized. There was about a a 90, 100 miles of area that he covered from Jerusalem up to Nazareth and back down in this area in between, about 100 miles that Jesus went to. And that was as far as Jesus went. His ministry was was put in that area. But now what he's gonna tell us in Acts chapter one is I want you to take what I've started and we're gonna take it around the world. We're gonna go global with this thing. You're gonna be able to, to do what I've called you to do. And it's gonna be not just here, but all over the world to all It's actually going to be bigger than what you see in this ministry. So here's what Jesus started and what we're here to begin. Go down to verse number eight. If you've been in church a while, I'm sure you've heard this verse. What does Jesus say? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the, the earth. Jesus started a work and that was to reach the world with, with his gospel And he said, it started with you and it it begins with his disciples, but it includes all of us who are now followers of his. And now that's his job. That's what we have been called to finish, what we've been called to do. But here's what I know. Christians, if you've been in church, maybe you're new to this thing. Maybe you still haven't stepped across that line of faith. And today you're gonna hear about what Jesus did for you. Or maybe you've been in it for years. Here's the thing, this this sounds so simple. He said, hey, here's what I've called you to just be, you're gonna be witnesses. That sounds so simple. It kind of rolls off the tongue if you've been in church, but it's such a challenge for us because there's an enemy that doesn't want this to happen. There's an enemy that wants to stop this work from continuing. There is a culture around us that is not not conducive to what, and it was then and it still is now. And for us as believers to do this simple task that God has called us is harder than we want to admit sometimes. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at that verse. I want to unpack that and some of the verses today around it and give you just some simple uh, encouragement, words of encouragement about how we can finish. You've got a job to do. It's March Madness. It's, it's the madness that we can do what God has called us because we know we are part of what Jesus is doing. Four words of encouragement. First one is this, don't get distracted. If you go back to this verse, it's kind of interesting. What I know is, in my life, I, I'm kind of a, a thinker, things, I, you know, I, I kind of look at, my, my wife is, have you ever seen that movie where the, the, they go squirrel and that things are looking in the squirrel and they can get, did anybody else re- resonate with being a squirrel thinker? Okay, you can kind of get, my, my wife can be thinking and then just be off on a subject. And I'm going, wait, wait, wait a second, we're back over here, right? Some of you understand that, but all of us, whether that's your personality or not, all of us can get distracted by shiny objects or by things that come about what we're really supposed to do. Look at this, what it says in this first part of this verse. But you shall receive power. Now you shall, those first three words, you shall, that's pretty sta- stating a fact. You shall, and he's gonna tell us what you're gonna do. Don't miss that first word. It's very important. First word that sometimes we skip in this verse and that's the word but. But. And and I'll say it, it's it's a very important word in this verse. It's a connection to the verse before it, it, to the, the phrases before it. He says there's something, it's contrasting, it's connecting to what he's just said. And here's what he said in verse number six. Therefore, when they came together, the disciples said, Lord, will you at this time restore your kingdom? What they're saying is they're worried, they were thinking this is the end of the time, this is the end of the age, this is everything's coming to an end. And look what Jesus says to them. It's not for you to know the seasons for which the father has put in his own authority. What is Jesus saying to them? Guys, whether, when the end is gonna come, that's not your concern. That's not what you should be worried about. And then the, what's the next word? But you shall. He says, there's this, the, 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 here's the interesting thing. That's still a discussion a lot of people have today, Right? Still a pretty big theological discussion. And I, I like, it's an interesting one. You know, Jesus is coming. We believe that. He could come today, absolutely. And we, we talk about that and we have different theories and, and, and people, and, and here's the thing, that is important and it's real, it's biblical, but don't let something like that distract you from what you're really supposed to be doing. He says, guys, that's not your concern. Don't worry about when the end is gonna come, but you shall be witnesses. It, whether it's that or some other theological discussion or we, we can get off on all kinds of tangents and get distracted about those things, but let's not, maybe it's past theology. What are some other things in life? Maybe it's just life itself. Maybe it's your, your career. Maybe it's your education. Maybe it's the fact you're worried about your money. Maybe it's a retirement. Maybe it, whatever it is, the things in life that can distract us. And some of them aren't even bad things. They're just life. But Jesus would want us to hear all of those things that can be a part, but, but don't forget, that's not what you're here for. Christians, can I just remind you to not get distracted by all, whether it's theological or just by life itself, but remember what we are here for. But you shall be, you shall receive power. He goes on to say, and, and, and the, that comes to our second thought. Don't be distracted, but let me give you a second thought. Don't be Intimidated. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Here's what I know. The enemy doesn't want us to do this witness and the enemy does, he's a bully. He wants to make you think that you're not able to do this. He wants to put thoughts in your head or he wants, to, he wants you to begin thinking that, you know, I, I can't really be a witness because that will offend someone or what will it do to my friendship or I'm not really good at this or I, what if I say the wrong thing, or I, I don't really have this. And all of, these things, all of these lies that come into us is the enemy trying to tell us you can't do this for the for the God to say you're my witness and I want you to finish my work and you're going to reach the world we say that's impossible it can't be done here's the truth Jesus is giving us something that we can do but we're going to need some resources to do it so what does he say but you shall receive power power when the holy spirit comes on you you will receive power finishing the work of Jesus is not something we can do let's just be honest you can't do this work on your own, but you have the power to do it because there is a spirit that come, came upon these disciples and it will in a few days, just from this, this passage, the Holy Spirit will come on them. And now we know that the Holy Spirit on every one of us who are followers of Christ, the Holy Spirit now lives in us. The power of his spirit lives in us, able, enables us to do what God has called us to do. That the disciples waited for the Holy Spirit to come. He came, they did things that they could never have done or never have imagined and now, As followers of Christ, that same power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. You can do this. Don't let any of your thoughts, your own inhibitions, or let the enemy ever tell you you can't. Do not be intimidated. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. But not only the the Spirit that's in us, but Paul said something very powerful. Romans chapter one, verse 16. He says, but I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the, what? the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. You not only have the Holy Spirit in you, you have the power of this message. You have something that has changed your life and can change the life. Do not be intimidated to think this is bigger than me. I can't do this. This finishing Jesus work is not something possible for me. You have the power. Don't be distracted. Don't be intimidated. But let's look at the next phrase in this. and, And let me put it this way remember who you are as a follower of Christ. Look at the phrase again. He says, uh, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And there's another big word. It's a little word, but it's a big one. And you will be witnesses to me. You will be my witnesses. Let me just say what we talked about the Holy Spirit. Please don't ever think that he's just this Force. You know, may the force be with you, Luke. You know that he's, the Holy Spirit's more than just a power surge. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the person of God that that moves in us. And a follower of Christ, He lives in you. But if the Holy Spirit is living in you, there's no way you're going to stay the same. Something's going to change. So what he's saying to us is, yes, you will be witnesses. And many times we, have, we see that as a command and it, there are commands that we're to go. I get that. But it's not written here as a command. What he's written is, you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit, when he comes into you, now makes you differently. You are not just the, you're not the same person you were before. He's changing your life in all ways, including this. Now, as a follower of Christ, you are a witness, That's who you are, that's who God has made you to be. The Holy Spirit isn't just a powerful source, he is making you into who Jesus made you to be. When Jesus told his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Did you hear that Christians? You said, I want to follow Jesus. Do you know what that means? Now he's making you to be something different. And part of what that is, is for you to be a witness, for you to be a a one who gives that, that testimony, because why? We have a job to finish. God has started something and he wants us to finish it in our lives. He says, we are now witnesses. Now those early disciples, what were they witnesses of? If you go back to verse number three, it talks about the fact that they They were there when Jesus died and in his suffering, in his passion, when he gave his life on the cross, they saw that happen. They had seen his work and now they see him hanging on a cross. And if it stopped there, that would have just been a sad end to a pretty interesting story. But in three days, those same disciples that saw him hang on the cross saw a resurrected Jesus standing saying, hey, touch my hands and feet. It's me. I'm alive. I didn't stay in the grave. And it tells in those verses that there was infallible proofs. They saw him, they ate with him, they talked with him for 40 days. Now they're witnesses, not only of the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus, they're witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. And that means that everything he said was true. He is who he said he was. This is God come in the flesh and he brought salvation. They're witnesses to that fact. And they said, now you're not just, it's not just a job to do, you are a witness. You have experienced something. Two, word, two words uh, that come to mind when you think of witness in the New Testament. One is a witness is someone who just reports something that they saw. You go to court and they, the judge says, just tell us what happened. And you are a witness, you are an eyewitness, and you give your report. The, the word witness also means someone who stands to give a, a defense or a, a, a reason. And so they're witness to a a particular idea. Both of those words are what we are as God's people. You are a, a witness because as those early disciples, they saw the resurrected Jesus. If you know that Christ is your savior, you have received his gift of salvation. You are a witness to the fact that he changed your life. You are a witness to the fact that the salvation is real, that he has forgiven you, that you're on your way to heaven. You are a witness to the fact that God is real because he lives inside of you. You truly are a a witness to that. In fact, in Luke 24, when Luke was talking earlier, he says it's necessary for Christ to suffer for all these things to happen. He says, because repentance and remission has to be preached to the world. And look at this last phrase, and you are witnesses of these things. If Jesus Christ has saved you, you are a witness to that truth. That's not just what you do. That's who you are. Let me stop here for a second because I obviously don't know many of you, don't know any of you very well. So I can can say this without any hesitancy to ask you this question. Do you know that Christ is your Savior? Are you a witness to the fact that Jesus is your Savior? Has there been a point in your life when you realized, as a sinner, you needed a Savior, and you believe Jesus died for you, and you received His gift? I can see some heads shaking. I love that, but I ask the question because there may be some in this room who you've not, you've not yet made that decision, and you're hearing about this witness thing, and you're saying, "I, I, I hear you, but what does that mean?" and Today, I would invite you before you leave this room to, to find out what it is to truly know Jesus so that you can leave here as a witness to the salvation, the redemption that comes through Jesus as Savior. Because that's what, as a, sa- as a follower, you are a, a, a witness. And I gotta tell you this, Christians, since that's who we are, if we don't practice it, then we're gonna find ourselves missing out on that on the ultimate joy of what it is to be a Christian because of that's who we are. And I find myself in my life, sometimes I've seen Christians in church get ho-hum about church and about coming in. And, I, and when you kind of dig deeper, one of the biggest reasons is because they're not sharing their faith. They're not witnessing to anyone else about what God has done for them. That's what God made us to do. It's not only a command, it is who we are. And if we're not doing what we are meant to do, then something's wrong. I wanna show you a picture on the screen. There's, there's a group of kids in Vapingo, Africa. We met them in October when we were here. And these are some of the kids we work with our nutrition center and a school and they hear about Jesus. But when we came in, we were, we, were, um, we were greeted by 300 children. And this is a part of that group. Just wonderful. They're singing, they're dancing. Then they grab them all together and their pastor, Pastor John, he does this every day with them. And he would, he would do this kind of a, a ritual with them. Here's how it goes. He would say, God is good. How would they think he would respond? All the time, exactly. And then he'd say all the time, That's what we thought. And all of of us uh, Americans said that. Here's what they said. God is good all the time. All the time, 300 kids in unison said this. I am a witness. Yeah. You saw about 20 Americans just begin to cry when we realized these kids, they get it. Yes, we've received Christ. Yes, we're hearing about him. But now we're witnesses to that. We have a a privilege to share that with others. Remember who you are, Christians. Don't be distracted by all the stuff. You're on mission. Don't be intimidated. No one can stand. If God is for you, who can be against you? Remember who you are. You are a witness. And with that, let me give you the one last practical thought. So tell your story. If you are a follower of Christ, you have a story. It, it, some people's stories are a little, seem to be a little more dramatic. Things that they came out of and the things that changed in their life. I was about eight years old when Jesus came into my life and saved me. To be honest, didn't have a lot to turn away from at eight years old. Grew up in a little town, went to church every Sunday. But I knew I was a sinner and I needed a savior and I confessed him as my Lord, and he saved me, forgave me my sins, and I've been his child ever since. You you say, well, that's not real dramatic, but it's the truth. Here's the dramatic part. I was lost. Now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. Here's the thing. Whatever your story is, if you know Christ, you have a story. I, I heard a song this morning. It's an old hymn. Hadn't heard it in a while, but it, just as I was thinking about this message, it got, it's, the song is Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. And then the chorus says this, this is my story. This is my soul, right? You see, that's the thing. If you're a follower of Christ, you have a story. God says, you're a witness now to that story. So what are we supposed to do? Somebody tell me, share it, tell it, tell your story. Look what he says as the verse continues. You shall be witnesses. You'll be my witnesses, witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Here's where it gets really interesting. This is how God says, I'm gonna continue the story. It's gonna get bigger. And real quickly, here's what what he's saying. I want you to tell this, and and if you've you've ever read this verse before, geographically, that's exactly what happens in the book of Acts. They started in Jerusalem. That's where all this was being said. And then it went to Judea, Samaria. And you can kind of see a circle effect. They start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And then it goes to the uttermost parts of the earth. And by the time you get to the end of the book of Acts, they are going literally to, Paul was going to Spain, which in their opinion, that was the end of the earth at that point. They, were, they literally were doing it geographically, as he said. But that's not all that that means. You also find in the book of Acts, that it had a cultural idea. That they not only started in Jerusalem, they started primarily with the Jews. That's where the gospel began. But as they went to Judea and Samaria, now they're reaching some of the, the, the extended family. Some of the family you don't talk about. You only see at family reunions and you don't want to see them too often, right? Okay, you see that? that? They're seeing the extended family, the Judeans and Samaria, the Samaritans, even people they don't like and that don't like them, but they're taking the gospel now and then they take it to what was then known as the Gentiles, the Greeks. And at that time, there was not only a few between Samaritans and Jews, the Jews didn't even believe that the Greeks were worthy of living. You wouldn't step in a Gentile house. But here's what God said. It doesn't matter who they are. I want everyone in the world to know about me. So I want you to take it to to the Jews, to the Samaritans and to all of the world. So everyone, there's there's no respecter of persons. God wants everyone to know. So hear this. Christians, tell your story. And if you follow this, that means tell it to anywhere and everywhere that you go. If you're here, in fact, in in Matthew, the word when he says, go into all the world, it means as you're going about life. So everywhere that you go, anywhere that you go, you're a witness, you've got a story. Find some way to let someone know about who the Jesus is that saved you. You may not be able to give a full explanation, but you can let them know that Jesus is your savior. You can let them know that God is alive. Anywhere you go, everywhere you go, and get this, to anyone and everyone you meet. Maybe it is a family member. Maybe it is a, a cousin. Maybe it is a, a co-worker. Maybe it's the lady that bags your groceries or, or helps you at the gas station. Or maybe it's the, the guy who delivers a paper. Or maybe it's a, whoever it is. Or maybe, maybe it's someone across the world who you've not met yet. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, you take it anywhere, everywhere. You take it to anyone. You take it to everyone. You are my witnesses. It's not just about this. In fact, Mark chapter 16, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to, every, to all creation. One translation just says it simply this way. Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. It doesn't get any more simple than that, does it? Everywhere you go, tell it to everyone that you meet. We are witnesses. That's who we are. We have a story to tell, now it's time that we, we tell it. Beyond, beyond geography, beyond borders, beyond custom, even people that we're not real fond of or people we don't know. It's to everyone that we see and everyone that God takes us. And it even means that maybe you'll never get to see some of those people, but you could send someone else, like a missionary, to go to a place you may never visit, but you're able to tell that person via the missionary you sent to them. That's how God says we can reach this whole world. You can finish my job. Let me show you another picture. There's a picture of some young people in a high school in Kenya, Africa. It's called the Valerie McMillan High School. This particular group of children ages eighth grade through high school, phenomenal group of kids. They, uh, they, they're meeting, they're growing. Many of them have been in the feeding center program now since they were children. And now they're graduating from high school. And, and we, we talk to the seniors, that's that group on the left, those girls and guys, and there's about 60 of them total. And, and many of them, although this is, this is beyond most of what their parents and what they're, they're, many of them are gonna be able to go to trade school and even on to university because of what they've learned. It's a phenomenal stories. But that young man in the front, we, ask a, we, we let them ask us questions. Of all the things they could ask of us Americans, you know, what kind of food do you eat, what all those things, here was his question. Tell me, how do you guys witness to your friends and neighbors? How, how do you reach the people that you know for Jesus Christ? Because his desire was to go to university and be able to tell others about Jesus. Because why? Because he's a witness. Because he's been taught that he's a witness to tell others. Christians, do not lose the fact that you are a witness. Everywhere you go, anywhere you go, to anyone you meet, to everyone you meet, that Jesus has given you a story, and now it's about telling that story. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Start right where you're at today, let's make this practical. Start right where you are. The people that you meet, you know you don't have any accidental acquaintances. The people in your life, your coworkers, your neighbors, I would even challenge you, maybe take a piece of paper, start a list. Who are some people that I, in my life that I'm not sure they know Jesus, but I'm gonna start praying for them and when Jesus gives me an opportunity, I wanna make a list, put some names down, start right where you are. And then once you start with that list, then be ready that when God opens a door and maybe it's a person, a, a divine appointment that you've not been used to, be ready to let God use you to tell someone about Jesus or to share your faith or plant a seed and invite them to church. Let God use you to make a difference. But then please understand that Christians, we are to think globally. It's not, it is about our community. I've had people ask me, why would you go to Africa? There are people all over the world right next door that need Jesus. And I would say, amen, that's true. Absolutely, but this isn't an either or proposition. He didn't say you either go here or there. He said, go here and here and here. Our mission should be reach the people in front of us, but keep our eyes open for the people that we may never meet, but that God could send someone to reach them for Jesus. Have a global mission. Do you realize, Belmar Church, that this is a saying that you could say about you? The sun never sets on the ministry of Belmar Baptist Church or Belmar Church. You know why? because you support missionaries all over the world. You're now supporting missionaries in Africa. And so right now, while we're having church, they're going to bed. But that means when you go to bed, they're getting up and they're sharing their witness. The sun never sets on the ministry of this church because you do what God has called you to do all over the world. So yes, be a witness right here, right now, in the community as you go about your life, but even around the world. And can I say there could be someone in this room who's God's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, I want you to be one of those that goes around the world. I want you to take this message. Some of you in this room and and you say, well, I'm I'm too young, I'm too old. Well, we just knocked out the too old thing. You can do it. If God calls you, it's what God wants you to do. Trust him to make that difference. Tell your story wherever God calls you to do. I I have a couple more stories I want to share because they just grabbed my heart. Here's another picture I don't want you to see. This is in Nepal, it's not in Africa, we, didn't, we weren't here, but a friend of mine gave me these pictures. Nepal, it, there's a, a lady in the middle in the yellow shirt, her name's AJ. There was AJ and three other young people that were in the Manor orphanage as babies, and they've grown up now, they've gone through the system, and now they are either graduating or have graduated They're in their, their late teens. Those four young people, after going through that whole system celebrated a year anniversary just a few weeks ago, and there's what their anniversary was. They went out, they're working as best they can to raise money for their family, but those four young people take a little bit of money every week, they put it aside together, and they have their own feeding center. On Saturdays, see all those kids? They call about 60, 70 kids in their neighborhood together. They feed them lunch, they teach them the gospel, they play games with them, they're reaching them for Jesus Christ because they realize, I'm a witness. I got a story. See how God's changed my life? and I want him to change yours. See, that's what God wants us to do. We are witnesses. Here, here's what it is. We, we're just simply to finish what Jesus started. We go back to chapter one of verse one. Jesus began, began both to do and to teach until the day he was taken up. Now we know later in this chapter, verse number 11, that Jesus ascends into heaven. He goes into heaven and the angels come back to the disciples and say, guys, and here's the words they use. They say, why do you stand here gazing into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up will come back. Jesus is coming back. We know that. And until that job is, until he comes back, we still have a job to do. And that's to be a witness to what he has done for us. So, but essentially what he said, what the angels are saying to the guys is, why are you still here? Why are you standing here looking up into heaven? You got a job to do. And Christians, I would say he says the same thing to me. And he is challenged in my heart. Why would you stand here and not simply finish what I called you to do? You're a witness. You have a, you have a story. Tell someone what he has done to you. Why are you standing here? So don't get distracted. Don't be intimidated. Remember who you are. You are a witness. Tell your story anywhere and everywhere. And let God use you to make a difference here and around the world for Jesus Christ. There's a picture I want to end with. It starts back several years ago, more than 30 years ago, a young man by the name of Jim Horn became a missionary to Kenya, Africa. He began a church and he's still a missionary to this day, but he led another young man to the Lord. And that young man is in the top left corner. He's the taller gentleman, his name's Alan Awano who in this picture is now the pastor of a church in Bomani, Kenya. So Jim led him to the Lord. Alan goes out and begins to start churches. And the young man standing beside him is a young man by the name of Ashley. And in that picture, Ashley is four years old. Ashley has just started, that's his first day at church in the feeding center there in Bomani. So he begins to be fed. But as he's fed physically, they're also teaching him the gospel, they're teaching him the truth, and he comes every Sunday to church. And his, his mom and dad really don't have anything to do with it at this point. His dad's by, uh, a, an alcoholic, dad doesn't have anything to do with church. But his son, every Sunday, said, Dad, why don't you come to church with me? All the other dads are coming, why don't you come? And after several weeks, he started coming to church with his son. Now, mom was a little harder nut to crack. She didn't come for several months, but after a while, even mom liked the fact that their son's being fed, being cared for. Her husband and her son have been going to the church. She comes, fast forward 12 years, and over those 12 years, all three of them come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, in the far right corner is Ashley's father. Former alcoholic is now the deacon in the church who is preparing to be a pastor and to start churches himself. And his mom is the lady in the left corner who is now the matron of the high school teaching young girls about Jesus Christ. And this is Ashley, now 12 years later. He's a senior in high school. He's graduating, going to university with the desire to tell others about Jesus Christ. You see, that's the job that God called us to finish. That's what missions looks like. That's the plan that God has. He began it. He gave his life for it. And now he says, we as his people, this is what we do to finish it. So let me ask you a couple questions. Number one, do you have a story? Do you know that Christ is your savior? Has there been a time when you received the gift of eternal life? If not, why not today? Your pastor and others would love to show you what it means to know Jesus so you can pray simply, God, forgive me as a sinner. I believe in Jesus. Please come into my life and save me. Do you have a story? If you do have a story, Do you know someone who needs to hear it? Do any of you know anyone in your life who needs Jesus? Then will you tell them your story? Will you find a way to help them be able to know the story that has changed your life? How will you be a witness? How will you be a witness here and around the world for Jesus Christ? Would you bow your heads with me, please, as we pray? I encourage you to pray on your own. Pray as how God has spoken to you, whatever he's, maybe it's thanking him for your salvation or maybe it's that person that you're thinking of that needs Jesus, begin praying their name to Christ or maybe for your own personal witness, I pray that you will take what you've heard and and just begin to word it to God in a prayer. If you are here this morning, you've not yet prayed that prayer to receive Christ, you've not yet entered in that relationship, I would encourage you right now realizing that you're a sinner and need a savior, Jesus died for you call out to him and say God forgive me a sinner save me Jesus forgive my sins come into my life as you pray let me pray for you this morning Father I thank you for all that you've done for us I thank you for sending your son so that we can have eternal life and then God I am challenged I am encouraged I am I, I am overwhelmed by the fact that now you've given me the opportunity to finish that work that you started, to tell others. So Lord, in this room, of many of, of, in this room know you as Savior. Many who have been watching online know you as Savior. Now Lord, help us to be what you've called us to be, to be the witness, to share that story with someone, even this week, so that they would know Jesus as Savior. Lord, challenge us, encourage us. We love you and we give you the praise.